Welcome to the Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. We talk with real experts about their experiences, their accomplishments, and more importantly, how you can learn from their mistakes so you can jumpstart your business and fortify your strategic alliances. There's no BS, no fluff, zero guru talk, just real real estate knowledge. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Greg here with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros, and I have Clayton Morris on the podcast today. Clayton is a real estate investor. He is up in the northern Manhattan area, part of New Jersey. Clayton, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So, Clayton, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in real estate. Well, I kind of grew up with a lot of negative associations with money. I mean, that's kind of where it all starts for me. And it's been sort of my lifelong journey to overcome those, uh, the sort of negative associations. You know, my parents would say, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, we're not the Rockefellers. We can't afford that. So I had a lot of really limiting negative associations with money growing up. And it's, that's why it's, I'm on a mission to kind of help people reframe the way they think about this with their children, because it can stay with you and prevent you from really ever taking action. Um, so that was kind of my upbringing. And then I, gr- I grew up loving television, you know, broadcast television. I was sort of obsessed with like David Letterman and Johnny Carson. And I would sneak downstairs and my parents thought I was asleep and I'd watch, watch them, you know. And, and so I knew I wanted to do something in the medium of broadcasting. And, and I loved the, the way to tell stories and that narrative connection that you can have with an audience. And so after college, moved to Los Angeles and started working at Good Day LA at the Fox affiliate there. And I was moving all around the country in the TV business, you know, making no money, but I was always renting from people, you know, and I just, I, at the time, 1999 or so, when I moved, graduated college and moved out to California, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad had just kind of come out. And I remember driving around the California coast, like listening to it on audiobook and thinking, wow, I, I grew up with this like Poor Dad mentality. You know, you got to, you got to work, you got to get, you know, that's how you do it. You, you got to work and get a 401k and that's how you build wealth. And I had to totally like retrain my brain. So I, I guess I was laying the groundwork then for real estate investing at an early stage, you know, this kind of moving around, paying other people's rent. I never even saw the landlords anywhere, you know, I just mail off a check and I never even saw them, you know, right. that sort of laid the groundwork for me at my, I guess at an early stage, you know? Okay. So Clint, what type of real estate investing do you specialize in right now? Well, I, I focus on single families. That's been my bread and butter. And, you know, I, I just, I love single families because I grew up in a single family. You know, it's what I know, you know, and people get so caught up in the mechanics of real estate. They, they kind of skip over why they're doing it. They just go right into the, you know, should I do mobile home parks? I mean, I get emails all day long. You know, people email me all the day asking my advice on what should I do? Should I do mobile, mobile home park? Should I do multifamily? Should I do single family? Should I do this? Should I do that? And, uh, you know, I always kind of want to roll the, tape deck back a little bit and say, well, why, why do you want to do this? Like, what's mm-hmm. your reason for doing this? Is it because you're tired of driving two hours every day to and from work and you don't get to spend dinner with your children? Like that's a why. So for me, like I just started buying single families a number of years ago and a three bedroom, one bath, you know, two bedroom, one bath with a yard and 900 to a thousand square feet roughly, you know, and nice upgrades, you know, getting them rent ready and have great tenants in the properties and blue collar neighborhoods. And that those have been the bulk of my portfolio. And, uh, I continue to buy those, you know, the C plus B minus neighborhoods are my favorite. Awesome. So you're doing more landlording. You don't do any wholesaling or, or fix and flips. 
Well, we do now. I mean, with my company at Morris Invest, we do we do a bunch of fix and flips. So we'll acquire a bunch and, and fix them up all at once and and do that. But personally, no. I mean, I, I've never been a flipper. I, I learned my lesson, I guess, early in the day trying to do trying to do some flips when I was living in Florida uh, before the crash. You know, I I learned the hard way, I guess. Um, you know, I had a one bedroom condo that I lived in on a golf course down there in Orlando and did all the work myself. And the next door, a, a two bedroom condo had opened up. A woman lived there for 30 years, smoked heavily. So all the cabinets were covered in nicotine. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a mess. And I, with hundred percent financing, you know, managed to buy that property. And, uh, you know, then I was able to buy that property and work on it at night. I was doing the morning show at you know two 30 in the morning. Uh, getting to work and I'd come home and I'd just be over there trying to do drywall repairs and paint and cabinets and, you know, the whole nine yards, putting in new carpet and everything and sold them right before the crash and took that profit and ended up like trying to do it again. And then just got like lost my shirt, you know? So I try not to do that because, you know, again, flipping houses, whether people want to hear it or not, I mean, it's not really real estate investing, as you know. I mean, it's, it's still transactional. I mean, talk to any attorney, talk to any tax accountant, right? I mean, yep. the proof's in the money. You know, it's, it's a transactional salary. You're only as good as your next paycheck. It's a job, exactly. So, no, I don't do that, you know? Yeah, I, I talk about that all the time. And people, people, I think, they look at me side-eyed when I tell them that wholesaling is not real estate investing. It's real estate marketing. That's all you are as a marketing person. When you're a real estate flipper, you're a fix and flipper, you literally are creating a job for yourself because it's not a business that can be automated uh, in any way, shape, or form. So you basically are just recreating a new job for yourself. So a lot of people come to me like, oh, I just, you know, I'm, I want to quit my nine to five. I'm like, well, you just created yourself another one. Right. <laughs> That's not right. Especially, if you're, especially if you're in a heavy, like I'm in New Jersey where, you know, I used to do a ton of wholesaling here in Northern New Jersey, but I would never touch a house here to flip. I mean, I would see these guys that I would work with good friends who, you know, they, I would bring them great properties, great deals, make a little cheese in between. And they were spending nine months and with all the taxes yeah. and holding costs and da, 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 da. I mean, it's like, no, no, thank you. And then what happens if the market takes a dive, you know, then you're sitting there right. holding this house that you thought you could sell for 800,000. Now you can only sell it for six and you're in it for 650, you know? <laughs> now it becomes a rental. Now you become an investor. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and a really bad ROI on a $600,000. Right. <laughs> no way. So Clayton, you, you, you said you were in the broadcasting business before. So what was that one thing that kind of, I mean, I know you said you made that shift, but what was that thing that like really just got you like to the point where you said, screw it, I'm really done and I'm going to do this. Like, what was that turning point that made you make that decision? Well, honestly, uh, you know, moving around the country in the TV business, I mean, I lived in Montana as a political reporter for CBS News, then moved to West Virginia as a uh, anchor for NBC News, then West Virginia, I'm sorry, Virginia, then West Virginia, then down to Florida, I'm sorry, then Ohio, then to Florida, then Florida to Philadelphia. And when <laughs> I got to Philadelphia back home, you know, it's the number four market in the country, great television market, right? Making a decent salary, six figures finally. And, uh, and they had encouraged me to move to Philly, right? And like, get you're back home now. And they were running promos during the Eagles games. And so during the playoffs and all, and all these people were calling me up that like from my childhood were like, you're moving, you're, what? You're on TV. You're back home in Philly. I saw these ads during the Eagles game. Are you kidding me? So they encouraged me to buy a house. You know, you're going to be here for a while. We want to really make a run of it. Buses, you know, literally there's pictures of me driving on buses, you know, the bus wraparounds for the, you know, Watch Good Day, watch Good Day Philadelphia, you know, 6 to <laughs> 9 a.m., whatever. So I bought a house, 
put down roots there in Philly, back home again in downtown. And then the news director that had hired me, she was fired a week after I got there. Oh, geez. And she wanted me to come and make the morning show fun and hip and young. And that's kind of my vibe. So I, that's why I was excited about that. You know, I had experience a good day LA. I'm going to go and get to do this. And she gets fired and they bring in another guy who wanted to do like all violence and crime, like off the top of the show every morning. And I was like, ah, this is not what I signed up for. It's brutal. I don't want to be a part of this. And so nine months into it, they had an option in my contract. And I thought for sure, oh, they'll renew my contract, right? There's an option for them to say goodbye for both of us actually to say goodbye. And I get called in the manager's office, the general manager and says, we're not going to renew your contract. We think you were sold a bill of goods and we wanted to take the show in a different direction. So, you know, we're not going to renew your contract. And I just flipped out. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Um, you know, <laughs> holy smokes. And so honestly, I lost my job. I went on like antidepressants. You know, I was just like, I, I flash back to watching my father lose his job in when I was 12 years old and he just was terrified. You know, he was like pacing around the kitchen and it really comes back to that rich dad, poor dad philosophy. You know, he was really felt like his life was dictated to by this job, this position that was, he, you know, that was his self-worth was tied up with this company. And now he just felt like a total failure, you know? So I was reliving what my dad went through. And I said, you know what? That's it. Like, this is never going to happen to me again. I'm going to change the direction of my family. I'm gonna, I didn't even have a family then, but I was, I'm going to change the direction of my, my Morris last name with my family, set on a new path. And that's when I, I, I knew, I didn't know quite yet how I was going to get into real estate, but that was the start of it after losing my job in Philadelphia and taking away. Okay. So how did you get, like, what was the real introduction to real estate investing? You know, the actual like wholesaling, the flipping, the uh, buying rentals. What was that, that like? So, so here's where this is the sort of the moment that changed my life. Well, I had kind of two moments, but I, I I get to, I, I get fired basically from Fox in Philadelphia. And then the network basically calls my agent and says, Hey, we've been watching Clayton for a number of years. We'd love for him to come up to New York. Um, we've got an opening on our morning show. We'd love to talk with him. Um, and I, I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, didn't your corporate gods basically just fire us? Um, and or fire me. And so I get up there and meet with them and they're like, well, there's a big separation between church and state. We don't really care what the local affiliate did. We've been a fan of you for, for a number of years. We want to make our morning show fun and hip and young. I'm like, I've heard this before. Right? <laughs> so, so, but then they offer me the job. And so I get to, you know, end up working at the number one network in the world on the number one morning show in the world and sort of pinching myself for this, you know, and I got to do That's the week. <laughs> But yet I still, yes, I'm making a good salary, but I still didn't have anything to show for it. You know, I still had gone through the ringer with some of this, you know, speculative land stuff. I had a foreclosure. So I still had like these problems Uh, and I I didn't know how to get started. And so long story short, and I promise it's going to get shorter. I got on an airplane flight to go to New Zealand. My wife let me go and she said, you know, I want to go and shoot photos with my friend who uh, lives on the South Island of New Zealand. He's one of the great photographers of the world. He invited me. So I flew there 16 hour flight and about like the last 30 minutes of the flight, you're waking up kind of groggy and not paying attention. I was sitting next to like a middle-aged couple. I mean, they're fifties and we got to talking on descent, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they said, how long are you going to be in New Zealand? I said, Oh, about five days. You know, I got to get back to work. And, and I said, what about you guys? And, and they said, Oh, you know, we're going to be here for two months. And, um, and I said, two months, 
what the heck do you guys do that you can go to New Zealand for two months? You know, they're in their fifties. It didn't look like they were retired. And he said, Oh, I'm a real estate investor. Hmm. And so for me, like the bells just went off. You know, like, <laughs> now, now I'm on descent, right? So I don't even have like, I have like, I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen and I'm like, tell me everything. He's like, well, yeah, me and my partner, we buy single families. It's what we like. We like buying them in the Midwest and, you know, in Florida and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Indiana and, and Ohio and those types of places. And, um, this is what we look for. You know, we look for those blue collar neighborhoods where the cash flow is good and consistent and, uh, not bad neighborhoods and not great. Stay away from A, A class neighborhoods. Those are the worst. A class, you know, you have the worst tenants because they're the most demanding. Um, you have the most things to fix. They're the most expensive, the lowest cash flow. They have the most volatility in a down economy. Those people are the, mid, the big managers that lose their jobs. And so I just took notes and I said, what neighborhoods are you kind of buying in where? And he told me. So I get a land in New Zealand and my wife and I do an audio FaceTime call. And she's like, how was your flight? How's everything? I'm like, I'm like, she's like, how's New Zealand? I'm like, well, I got to tell you what we're going to do. We're buying properties. We're buying properties. We're going to do it. I figured it out. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, like a week later, I got back and I had already like basically made a move to buy two like foreclosures that I had to put like 15, 17,000 into to fix them up and get them cash flowing for like seven, 800 or like 800 bucks a month. And those two properties are still in my portfolio. And you know, many, many dozens and dozens of properties later, those still perform and still great, you know? And so that was the start of it all for me. What year was that, Clayton? That was 2012, I think. Okay. 2000, yeah, awesome. 2012, 2013. So for people sitting back thinking, God, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. And yeah, I had a great salary as a news anchor. However, I had no credit because of a foreclosure. I had, uh, you know, I had to get creative with how I saved and did all of this. And so anyone can do it. You know, money is just a manifestation. If you're held back by that limiting belief, you're never going to take action on it. Agree hundred percent. So how, how would you recommend to people that are listening how to get over that? Well, first of all, you need to realize that your, your thoughts every day create more of those same thoughts. You know, we are not our thoughts. And I know this is a little, you know, metaphysical, I guess, to think about, but when you sort of sit quietly for a few moments and you sort of get real peaceful with yourself and you don't focus on tomorrow, kind of just observe those thoughts as they come through your head. Don't think about yesterday. That's kind of your true essence, right? That's all of us. But we're so busy with smartphones and things pinging us constantly that we're being pulled out of like this present moment. We go into our fear. You know, fear is just the thing that we keep creating more of that fear in our lives that you're never going to be able to take action. Um, so I think it honestly comes down to getting present with yourself, realizing that anything is possible and putting a plan together and really understanding like what your freedom number is. You know, I, I'm such a big advocate of freedom number because when I got back from New Zealand, I sat down with my wife and we were having trouble paying our mortgage. And I said, what if we could, now that these two properties are performing, what if we could replace what I'm dealing with at, you know, at my, at my day job with rental properties that would cover us? What is our safety number? What is our freedom number? How much money every month do we need to pay in expenses and gas bills and milk and you know, car payments and all of that? Put that number up on your, on your whiteboard and then break it down by how many rental properties it'll take you to get there. And these properties all in were like 50,000 total after my rehab. That's all I do. And now I'm financially free. I was able to leave my day job. So anyone can do it. You just have to see it. You have to meditate on it. You have to put those things on your board. You have to put, put those pictures up with a goal. If you don't have a goal, you're not going anywhere. 
Absolutely. So, so obviously you're big on, on meditation, Clayton. I still struggle with that today. Any, any tips you'd like to give me and the listeners on that other than just doing it? Cause it's like my thing is more so yeah. finding time to do it or making time to do it. Honestly, early in the morning is one of the best times during, okay. during twilight before your mind is racing. So get up when you're a little groggy and it's, the light is just coming up. Go down to a, a sacred space that you create like I have in my office. I just created a nice sort of a chair with a, a pillow and a nice you know, environment. Don't turn the lights on. Keep it very low. And honestly, just sit and put on um, – you can get like a Holosync app um, on the iPhone. You can get some you know, chakra meditations on, on YouTube. There's so many great like crystal bowl meditations. Just put that on quietly with some headphones. And just observe the thoughts that come through and don't judge them. I think the real – the, the real sticking point for me with meditation when I first started was I was judging. Oh my God, I'm thinking about stuff again. Oh, oh my God, I'm thinking about stuff again. But instead, allow those thoughts to just kind of flow through and just like be the observer of them. And then in those like observant moments, that's when that's sort of like truly you. And you can really connect with what your actual mission is in life. Um, I know it sounds, people are like, oh, I don't need to do meditation. I don't need to do it. But honestly, Ask yourself this then, when you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off all day and you don't have a moment to breathe and you're stressed and you're flipping people off while you're driving and you're snapping at your kids, is that you? That's not you, right? That's, that's anxiety, that's stress, that's ego. And all of that sort of disappears when you are present with yourself, um, sure. daydreaming. You okay. know, I saw my son the other day, real quick, I saw my son the other day just sitting there outside. It was starting to get nice here on the East Coast, warm spring day. He was just sitting there, like kind of laying back. And I was like, hey, buddy, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, mm, nothing, really. And I said, what are you, you know, are you thinking about something? He's like, honestly, no. I was like, well, I said, guess what? That's truly who you are then. Just sitting here, just staring at the clouds, like that's the purest sort of essence of you. Now, if he's all worried about schoolwork and he's seven years old, if he's worried about this or worried about that toy that he doesn't have, that all like messes everything up, you know? So if we can get back to that, we can do anything. We can achieve anything. That's a great way to look at it, man. I hadn't thought of it like that. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the second half of the interview after a quick word from our sponsor. Don't go anywhere. Do you have a question you just can't seem to find the answer to? Do you need to bounce ideas off a trusted expert? Do you want suggestions on how to improve your existing business strategy and real estate investing? Or do you wish you could get advice from a real estate expert that's been there and done that? Go to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me and book a free coaching call with me today. You'll have exclusive one-on-one -on -one time to go over whatever it is you need in order to propel your business to the next level. Again, that's gregscoaching.youcanbook.me to book your free 15-minute coaching call. Back to that, we can do anything. We can achieve anything. That's a great way to look at it, man. I hadn't thought of it like that. So I appreciate that. That's it's good stuff. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's we're so consumed with materialism. We're so consumed with uh, with all of these things uh, daily pulling us in different directions. But uh, honestly, what does it matter? None of it matters, right? All of it disappears. <laughs> this form, this house, it's all going to crumble at some point. So mm -hmm. what do you do with the sort of space that you have right now? And I think real estate is a vehicle to allow you to have more space in your life. And that's how I look at real estate investing as a way to create more white space in your life. Yeah, that's great. I mean, um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I feel like every five seconds my phone is going off and, you know, 
putting out fires here and there. So it, you know, it's one of those things that yeah, I, I personally need to get in a better routine of, of how to, how to get my morning off the, the right, on the right foot. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Because do you want, my wife had yelled at me a little bit about this. Do you want to be going through email first thing in the morning, other people's demands on your time right. and attention? Yep. No. I mean, how, why don't you set your own day with doing some meditation for 15 to 20 minutes and then sitting down with a journal and just sort of journaling about things and visions and things that you saw in your meditation and also sort of setting some goals for your day, maybe reading, you know, a few passages in, uh, you know, in a spiritual book, like I'm a huge fan of Eckhart Tolle and like his book, uh, you know, the power of now and the new earth, like open up a few passages of that um, and just kind of read through that a little bit and sort of set your pace for your day. And uh, you'll find out how much like ex- you expand, you know, and you're not, because now if you're opening email first thing in the morning, you're like, you're giving your whole day immediately over to other people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. It's not every morning that I do that, but it's probably every, every other morning, maybe every third day. So yeah, I mean, that's, I, you know, I just hired a productivity coach because I'm struggling with that because I feel like I got to get, 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 get stuff done. And, and I, then I feel like I get nothing done by the time of the, end of the day. And so I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, are feeling the same way, especially if they have a real job and trying to do this as, as a, a way to become financially free. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, people become so consumed with, again, the mechanics of everything that they don't ask themselves why. And I've really had to get down to the core essence of what am I doing? I, I want my afternoons where my son comes to me or my daughter comes to me and asks, hey, can we go out and just play some baseball in the yard? That because of real estate investing, I can do that now. Um, I don't have to then you know, drive two hours to and from work and be stuck in traffic and worry about a 401k plan that's a, you know, that's a scam. I can do that because I have constant cash flow every month and I've created that space that allows me to just go out and pick up a baseball. That's pretty awesome. So Clay, let's talk about what was the turning point in your business as, as an actual investor? Like what was that point where all of a sudden it all just kind of like came together for you and, and then bam, everything changed? Well, I think, I think the moment honestly was when I discovered the power of like this idea I call the freedom number and I give it away on my website. You know, it's like three pages. People can download it. Um, and walk through it. And the night that my wife and I, so we were acquiring single family homes, but I was still living in that fear-based place of money, having no money or lack of it, you know, because I still hadn't, even though I was acquiring properties, I still hadn't made that switch, that shift. So I'm sitting there one night, my wife comes down to my office and she says, we can't pay the mortgage this month. I said, what? You know, I'm a news anchor. We make this salary. And we have like, you know, these th- couple of properties, what are we doing wrong? And I said, where's the money? And she said, I'll show you. And, you know, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So that month I literally had to go through my closet and sell things like on Craigslist, like an old camera, you know, that kind of stuff just to pay our mortgage. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, this is never going to happen again. And my wife just sort of said to me, we kind of had this conversation about our rental properties. I said, what if we just had enough of these, you know, what if we just had enough of these that covered everything? And she's like, okay, I'm going to go back upstairs and do some laundry. I said, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) It was like that eureka moment where I grabbed the Sharpie, you know, uh, on the dry erase board. And I was like, wait a second, that's it. You know, she lit the spark and I just like ran with the torch, you know? And I said, that's how we reach financial freedom. 
So these two properties shoot, you know, we spent this amount, they spend, they, they produce $800 a month. I said, what is our monthly number? And so she's like, I don't know. So we literally opened a bottle of wine. She pulls out her spreadsheets. We go through our monthly expenses. And when I built the spread, the, um, the freedom number cheat sheet, it was like, okay, take the six months, take an average of six months of what your actual expenses are. Netflix, Hulu, movies out, you know, dinners out, Starbucks, gas, ex- mortgage, car payments, all of that. What is the average of that every, you know, is it 4,000 a month? Is it 3,200? Is it 7,000? Whatever it is. And then you want to pad it by 10%. And that's what we did. I said, okay, that's our number. You know, it was like at the time, I don't know, we're in New Jersey and we got three kids. So it was like, uh, I don't remember at the time it was like 12,000 or something. You know, that's what we need to live on. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. That is our number. Let's get to that with single family homes or rental properties. And uh, that was the thing where everything fell in line for us. We had a clear vision, a clear goal. And that was the entire turning point for us. That is awesome, Clayton. That is a great story and is extremely, extremely powerful. Alliance, guys, I always tell you every podcast episode, there's your gold nugget. Go back, rewind, listen to that one more time. And at the end of the podcast, Clayton will, will, will share his, uh, his uh, website for you guys so you guys can go get that three-page. What did you call it again, Clayton? Freedom? Yeah, it's our freedom number freedom cheat number. sheet. And, Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. So... You've been, you've been really doing this since 2012. Tell us the time besides that one you just shared that you guys were going through a rough patch and then how did you get out of it another time besides that one? That's or a great that question. It? Was that really Well, it? no, I mean, okay. you know, we had to get, I think people think, oh, because you know, you're a news anchor, you just have money there and you can just buy properties. And that's not the case. You know, we, we had to get, we've done every trick in the book to, in order to buy properties. So we got to a point where like, okay, we want to get to this number. How do we do it? How can we, how do we put our heads together and figure this out? And to come back to this idea of money as a manifestation is that there's money all around us right now. There are people just waiting to lend you money for real estate, right? To make a return. They're getting 3% return in the stock market. You know, if you can get them like 6% in real estate and you make eight, you know, like there's, there's margins there for you to make money. So we, we just had to get really creative and, and look for, different ways of investing. So we, we borrowed from my 401k, not withdrew, but borrowed from it as a loan from, and that's another killer strategy for people that don't know you can do that. So we did that to buy another property. We uh, used money from our IRA to purchase real estate. Uh, we used some private money to pick up like 10 properties at once. Uh, we, we used all sorts of different manner of money. We actually moved some stock money out and bought bought real estate. We did a bunch of wholesaling as a means of like buying and acquiring more real estate. So where there is a will, there is a way. And it really just comes down to how hungry you are, right? Because I'll have people that'll say to me on my like YouTube channel, like, oh, that's easy for you. You know, you, you were able to replace this salary because you just, that's what, you know, it's easy for you, right? People always think that. And I'm like, actually, no, it wasn't. And it depends on how hungry you are. I was like a dog with a bone. When I got off that flight to New Zealand, I was like, this is it no holding me back. You're not, you're going to get in my way. You're going to be knocked over. And there are other people who will like get on that flight and get back. And they're like, okay, maybe I'll buy one property every four years, you know, cause you're not hungry and you're not a dog with a bone. So mm-hmm. it depends on how hungry you are. If you really are, you really are committed to not having to drive two hours in the, in traffic every day to work. You will make it work. You will do it in your sleep, you know, in, in your spare time, you will make it happen. It's good stuff, man. It's very true. Um, so Clayton, tell us the craziest deal you've ever done. The craziest deal I've ever done. I, I, you know, I, 
there was one that I couldn't believe that it was the biggest uh, wholesale deal that I had ever done. And it ended up bringing me 43,000 on a deal in New Jersey that I'd done. And it's one of those where I really believe in if you're, you know, if you're in wholesaling and you're sending out offers, you've got to just be consistently sending out offers, right? Because it's the person who has sent out the offer where that person is like thinking three months later that, okay, maybe I will sell this house. Maybe I just don't need to hang on to it anymore. The taxes have me upside down. And, oh, this guy sent me an offer. I'm going to call that guy. It's the people that don't send the offers that never get the deals, right? So I would be on the phone constantly trying to make deals, make offers and so forth. And I sent this one couple, they had this inherited property in a kind of growing neighborhood in Northern New Jersey. And I sent them this offer and they, they, they turned me down on it, but they kept it. They finally circled back on it. We agreed on a price. I thought, man, I'm way into, I'm, maybe I'm into this for too much. And I held, they, they wanted to come to this open house that I was going to hold basically for my flipper partners, you know, who were going to be there. And they were there, they were trying to sell this house. I agreed to, to buy it. And all these contractors just walking through and they were just so fascinated by the process. They were just asking all these guys, you know, what are you planning on doing here to what do you plan? And, you know, they don't need to, they're not necessarily knowing that it's like, it's all, you know, different contractors who are thinking about, you know, buying it from me. Right. And it was just a really random scenario where all these people are in this house and we ended up doing this deal. I ended up purchasing the property. I held it for a while and I was worried that, oh my God, I just spent like 400000 on this house. I took everything I had out of savings to do this. I borrowed money from friends. You know, I was like, no, this is a great deal. This is a great deal. And I was sweating. I was like losing sleep over the weekend because this buyer was like, oh, we got to push the closing back till next week. Yeah, we want the property. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I just couldn't sleep the whole weekend. Um, Finally, you know, we go to closing on Monday and it was just like easy peasy, lemon squeezy, normal closing. And I walked out of there with a $43,000 check and I just couldn't believe it. They ended up selling it for 800. They put like a hundred into it. But, you know, I just thought, my God, this can actually happen, you know? And I just, it was crazy. My wife was like, get out of here. I don't want to look at you. Your sour face is just making me stressed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that was, um, that was certainly a stressful one, but you know, it just pays to know your numbers. It pays to know your neighborhoods. It pays to know like, what will this property actually sell for? But uh, I was sitting on a lot, sitting on a lot of debt for a short amount of time. It scared the, <laughs> scared, yeah, scared the willies out of me. It is scary, you know, especially when you got the wife on your back a little bit, you know, but you know, it's like kind of like you're, it's tough to say to your wife or your partner, if you, you know, or, it doesn't matter if one way or the other, it's your partner, right? Telling them, trust me. I know what I'm doing when you really sometimes don't know that you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> it's one of those scary things, but you know, when you do, like you said, you know, your numbers, you know, your stuff and you stick to your guns and you make stuff happen. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you don't always know that. And I think I, I sometimes I will shoot first and aim later. Oh, absolutely. Um, All the time. <laughs> you know, and I, and I think there's so many people that sit back and get analysis paralysis and never make offers, never take action. And so, you know, I'll talk to engineers who, you know, call up our company and, and want to buy properties and so forth. And they're like, oh, I've been thinking about real estate investing for three years and I've been reading and I'm doing all this. And the more you read, the more you like get talked out of it, you know, because now you're like, oh, maybe I should do mobile homes. And this guy does it. And this guy does this. And now, you know, they have eight mentors instead of one, right? Yeah. And they're dragged in 80 different directions and they never take action. Absolutely. I mean, Clayton, I can't tell you how many guests I've had on my podcast so far. It's probably been like in the close to 30, maybe something like that. I think every single one of you guys that have been on this show 
have talked about how people just don't take enough action. And it's, it's so frustrating to me now that I've heard it from all these ex- experts like yourself and that people just don't, don't do the work that they've paid tens of thousands of dollars possibly to a mentor or a coaching program. And they just don't do it. I just, it frustrates me to know and that people can, would do that. But it is, I guess, the human nature that we are inherently lazy. I guess. Yeah. And we're inherently, we're also conditioned with thousands of years of mental conditioning to be scared, to be fearful. And then again, I come back to the meditation, but that's the ego talking Yeah, that in the pain body, you know, the ego loves that you don't take action. Mm -hmm. Ego's like, you know, oh man, John's still sitting there not doing anything. And I love it. (laughs) And I, you know, he feels miserable because he can't pay for his kids to go to soccer camp. And that feels good. Yeah, that feels good. Keep it up, John. You're, you're a loser. Keep it up. You know, now how about shattering that ego, like taking action and watching that ego just like disappear um, and, you know, and what's holding you back, just disappear into the wilderness. Absolutely. And you have a favorite podcast that you listen to on a regular basis? Well, I'm a bit of a tech guy. So I, uh, I do. I love, uh, I, I love listening to uh, Mac Power users. A couple of my friends host a show called Mac Power users on the Relay FM network. They've been doing it for, God, I think like almost 10 years now. And I've been a guest on there a couple of times and uh, I used to cover, cover Apple and so forth when I worked at the network and we go out to Apple events. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you like software, look in your, you know, how to use your iPad, I run my whole company off of my iPad and uh, I mm. love it, you know? And so I love that show because the efficiency and, and how to get more out of your software and Interesting. do some really cool things. Yeah. Anything else you listen to Clayton or is that just the, the one podcast? No, I, I'm a podcast junkie. So okay. <laughs> I, honestly, I've been listening to, and I, don't laugh at me, but, um, uh, Oprah's uh, Sunday Soul series uh, or okay. is it Super Soul Conversations. You know, she has a lot of the people on um, her show that I really endear to, like Eckhart Tolle and uh, billionaire Michael Singer, who wrote one of the great spiritual books, The Untethered Soul. Um, he also wrote The Surrender Experiment, um, which is an amazing book. And so she'll have guests like that and Jack Cornfield on there. And also Jack Canfield, the author of like chicken soup for the soul and right, right. great like spiritual teachers. So, you know, they, they come out to her house and they sit for 45 minutes and do incredible interviews. And <clears throat> I think there's a lot of great business leaders and entrepreneurs also on there as well that I think would, uh, uh you know, she had Jimmy Carter on there recently. So oh, I love, uh, I love that podcast, a really great spiritual podcast. I didn't even know about that. So I, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that one. Cause I, I you know, that would be a good one for me and my wife to listen to as well. Yeah, I bet no, oh, she would awesome. love it. My wife will text me. She's like, Have you listened to this one yet? She'll text me the link and I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna listen right now. So yeah, it, I think you, you guys would love it. That's cool, man. So Clayton, before we get you out of here today, what um with constant newbies that are entering this business every single day, how are you separating yourself from the rest of the pack? Well, uh, when I separate the reason it's funny, uh, I go to different conferences and things. And so many people, again, are sort of focused on the money. How can I get more, more of it, more of it, more of it? But if you get really still and you kind of set out what your goals are, you realize that that sort of money-based goal setting is, again, sort of ego-based and false. So I think I separate myself by focusing on the things that matter most in life. If you listen to a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts and so forth, it's all about like, how can I make more? How can I grow the company? This percentage, how can we do this? How can I put, you know, and I really try to focus on how, okay, that is somewhat important, but how do you carve out more space in your life for what really matters? Because guess what? All that money won't matter a lick 
if your son comes to you and asks you to play baseball and you put your hand in his face and close your office door because you've got to make that next deal happen. Right. Um, so I, I think that's where I separate myself is that in real estate investing, you have to really understand your why when you're starting out. Get centered with that first and then worry about the mechanics later, you know, single families, multifamilies. Because it comes back to the be, do, and how, right? It's a phrase from the 80s, right? Be, do, and how. You need to know your be first, why. To, and then you can focus on the do, you know, the mechanics. And then you can figure out how you're going to do it, right? But most people, like well, lottery winners, they go right, I'm sorry, have, when I say how, they can go right to the have, right? Lottery winners, be, do, and have. They go right to the have. And they lose all the money. Or like, you know, these football players and NBA stars. I read an article the other day about this NBA star who, you know, made millions. And he literally has nothing to show for it. It's all gone. All gone. Because he went right to the have. He never was straight with his being first. And he didn't know how to manage the money second. And he had it and he lost it all. Um, so that's where I think people need to... Don't skip over the first part. Don't. Yeah. Because you'll, you'll, it, it'll ruin you. I 100% agree. And it's tough. We do get lost in the... Sh- lost in that, especially in, uh, in hot markets where things are just flying off the shelf and things are happening so fast, you forget about why you're doing it. So we get lost in that, that craziness, that's the, uh, the, the rush, if you will, of what's happening around us. So, you know, it's a lot of times you got to go back and focus on the, on the why, on the B. Uh, my business coach was, you know, he literally says B times do equals have. That was his little phrase that he little spin off. You know, what you, how, why you want to do it, how you're going to get there is what you equals what you have. And so it's just, it's part of the whole process of, of um, resetting yourself a little bit. Right. Exactly. Figure out what your why is before you start down this path. Very good, man. Well, Clay, before I let you go, tell me what your favorite book is of all time. And what are you currently reading today? Hmm. My favorite book of all time. Tough one. It is a tough, I've been thinking about this for thinking about this for a while. Honestly, it's a book that I think I've been rereading every year lately. Um, And I just am actually rereading it right now. It's called The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, T-O-L-L-E. It's his second book. The first book he wrote is The Power of Now. Once you start down this path of understanding like how crazy we all are (laughs) with, you know, the voices in our head and the talking and the nonstop sort of negative self-talk, you realize that it's all just like a man. It's just, it's all fabricated. So the new earth is really the book that I think could change. You know, if maybe 2% of your audience actually decides to pick up that book, I think that those 2% will have their lives changed um, because of it. So it's a a really powerful book. And I think he's one of the great sort of spiritual teachers uh, of all time. So I I love that book. Very cool. Make sure that that was also in the show notes. Um, So Clayton, thank you very much. Any parting shots for the Alliance? You know, go out there, take action, become a real estate investor, because any way you slice it, it's the way that I sign off on my podcast, any way you slice it, it's the number one way to build wealth. I mean, look at the new tax law, right? Mm-hmm. It, if you're a real estate investor and you own a company, right, you buy real estate in an LLC, it's the number one way to build wealth. You're building a tax shelter. You're, in, you're building passive income like nothing else, right? Yeah, you can buy gold. That's great. Real estate, I believe, is the number one way to do it. So just go out there and do it. Stop. Just get off the couch and just stop talking to yourself and just make it happen. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Clayton, last but not least, tell uh, the Alliance how they can get in touch with you via your website and your podcast. Well, my website is just my last name, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, MorrisInvest.com. We've got a lot of great blog posts and resources over there for you to come over and learn about. We've got a great charity page. We believe in like giving back, so check that out if you wouldn't mind. Plus, there you can download on our website, uh, MorrisInvest.com slash freedom. You can get our freedom cheat sheet. It's three pages. It's a PDF. Sit down with your spouse, your partner. Go through it. Figure out what your freedom number is. Uh, I think it could probably change your life. Love it. Thanks, Clayton. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a real treat. You've just listened to another Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide in this exciting venture called real estate investing. If you want us to expand on a topic you've heard here today, or you have a new question of your own, head on over to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me for a free 15-minute coaching call, or you can leave your question in our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to iTunes to review, rate, and subscribe to the show. Be sure to strengthen your own alliance by sharing this podcast. Tune in next week for another expert interview or a great topic. Till then, catch you on the flip side, Alliance. Alliance.